So the first question, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you into taking your eyes off Christ and believing the law can save you? The Galatians were being foolish, and he tells them that. Foolish. He isn't calling them stupid as though they lacked intelligence, but he's saying that they're being, they, are, they were not using their minds. They were not thinking. They had failed to apply the wisdom and discernment when it came to the teaching of the Judaizers. And they were so easily deceived and persuaded by their teaching. Jesus even uses that same uh, phrase in Luke 24, 25. He says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Who has bewitched you? The Galatians had been deceived to believing a lie. And the Judaizers were the ones who had polluted their minds and troubled them. Ultimately, behind this all was Satan, who is the father of lies. And they were being deceived. Now he calls them bewitched. And it's as if they were, someone was to pull the wool over their eyes, and that they were, or a, a spell was cast on them. And they were not only being deceived, but they were acting on that deception by doing something about it. And magicians do this all the time. They do this with their sleight of hand. They, they do illusions and tricks to make you uh, believe something that really isn't happening. And there's a guy I know who will remain nameless who went to San Francisco, to Pier 39, and the area was full of tourists and street performers. So as he walked down the pier, he saw a crowd. And a crowd of people were watching a dealer play a game, a card game. And there was some money that was involved as well. The dealer had three cards, and the, the game was simple. You follow the queen, and the two jacks, or the two jokers, don't pay. You find the queen, you win the money. If you don't, you lose. And so at first he watched from a distance and watched the crowd and other people. Um, he, would, he would follow the card, and it would be so simple. It would be in the middle. And the guy would put the money on the wrong one, and he would lose it. Like, oh, of course he lost that one. That was easy. And so he'd see it again, and then someone else would bet on it, and they'd win, and they'd win money. And they'd, it was like, I knew that was where it was. It was easy. So he continued just to watch, and he watches over and over again. And he finally um, decides to put the, put the money down on the card. He's like, that is the queen. I know for sure it is. I saw it. He flips it over. It's not. It's not. He continues to play again and again until he spends over $100 without winning once. But he knew he had it right but he kept on losing. What was going on? Well, he was playing a game that was a scam called Three Card Monty, in which you can never win. The dealer isn't on it, and also the crowd isn't on it. They're fake betting. They're, wait, they're winning because the dealer is letting them win. And he was being deceived because he was tricked into believing something that wasn't true, and he acted on it. For the Galatians, it was as if a spell had been cast on them. And now they were believing the wrong thing and acting on that wrong belief. It was as if they were hypnotized into believing something that wasn't true. Imagine if I could, at the snap of my fingers, hypnotize you so that you believe that you, now you wake up and you're a chicken. And at the snap of your, my fingers, you start clucking like a chicken and, and um, walking like a chicken and pecking like a chicken fully believing you are a chicken, but you're not a chicken. You're not. You've been bewitched. You've been believing something that's not true. 
And you need to get back to reality. The Galatians, the Galatian hypnotism was much more serious and much worse. And they needed a spiritual reality check. They were foolish because they did not obey the truth and they had fallen into a scam. They had forgotten so quickly the pure gospel that Paul had preached to them. Now, what was this different gospel we keep talking about? Well, false teachers called Judaizers had come in to disrupt the teachings of Paul. The name Judaizer comes from a a verb that means um, to live according to the customs of the Jews. And they had come in and taught that in order for a Christian to be saved, to be really saved, you must conform to the law of Moses. So that meant that the Gentiles who um, would would need to come now and be circumcised because they weren't circumcised and also keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. And they wouldn't deny grace or faith, but they would say that you also must do this. You also must be circumcised. In Acts 15, 1, you see what they had taught. And it's very serious. It says, and certain, and certain men came down from Judea and taught brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. It's a very serious statement to say. And they go on again in uh, verse 5. They say, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Since the Galatians were Gentiles, they had never been circumcised, nor did they keep the law of Moses. The Gentiles weren't given the law, the Jews were. And what the Judaizers taught were, may have sounded genuine, it may have sounded legitimate. You know, they may have said, you know, we've been circumcised ourselves, and we've been keeping the law, the Sabbath, and the customs, and the sacrifices, and I think you guys should too. It would be better if you did that. And so the Judaizers taught that they must supplement their faith with works. Their doctrine, which is a false doctrine, was a mixture of God's grace and works by keeping the law. It was a counterfeit gospel, and it was an error that the Galatians had fallen into. Now, throughout the book, as we've been teaching it, we've been using this phrase uh, many times. Justification, which is being declared righteous by God, Justification is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. You are saved plus nothing. You cannot add or take away anything from that equation. Any additions or subtractions result in a different gospel, a false gospel. And there are people today who are like the Judaizers. They are unwilling to accept the idea that God freely gave salvation and is offering salvation to those who freely believe, or to those who believe. And they say that such a wonderful gift, uh, such a wonderful gift of forgiveness um, must require some sort of payment from a holy God, must require some sort of payment from us. And God has shown us incredible grace, and there must be something we can do to pay off this debt. But it's a complete misunderstanding of grace. God's grace... God's grace to us is undeserved favor. It isn't something that we earn or deserve. And we could definitely not uh, do anything to, to merit it. 
But because God loved me and gave himself for me, I can then be saved. It is what Christ has done for me and nothing that I have done myself. And in uh, last week, uh, when Daniel preached, we learned in that section that if we mix faith and works together, we actually make the grace of God void. He says in uh, 221, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if by righteousness come, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So he's saying that if I can be justified by the law, if I can be declared righteous by doing good works, then why did Christ die? His death was meaningless if works can save me. <clears throat> Today, the Roman Catholic Church has very similar beliefs and practices to the Judaizers. They also teach a false doctrine of law and grace. Um, in the 16th century, at the Council of Trent, the, the Catholic Church actually declared, explicitly denied that the idea of salvation is not by faith alone. They denied that. <clears throat> they teach today that rituals and ceremonies, baptism and confession and communion are all works that we must do and be, it is necessary for your salvation. It is not true. People today think that good works and law-keeping can also earn you brownie points and favor with God. But the Bible teaches the opposite. The Bible teaches that all our righteous deeds are like filthy garments. We cannot earn a righteousness equal to God's righteousness by doing good deeds. Our self-righteous works are meaningless to God. He does not accept them. And we cannot be justified or declared righteous by our own efforts. And it's very clear in uh, Galatians 2.16, just right before this passage, Paul says, Knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed, even the Jews, even Paul a Jew, has believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So we see clearly, it's very evident, it's meaningless to be justified or try to be justified by the works of the law. It just cannot be done. The Galatians were foolish. Again, because they, um, Paul says, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed to them. It's the idea, it's like an idea of a billboard uh, being placed in the town. And Paul went out there and proclaimed Jesus. He made it so obvious to them that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and that he was buried and died and rose again and that by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, you can be saved. It was evidence. It was, it was obvious to them. It was like their minds were seeing it happen. It was crystal clear to them. And yet they had... Um, they had forgotten it. And we see, a, different, we see a, a stark contrast between the two methods. We have the Judaizers on one hand who have bewitched them. And on Paul's side, he clearly portrayed the truth. The one method is secretive. It's seductive, sly. And on Paul's side, he did it openly. He did it publicly. He made it obvious, the truth. There is no smoke and mirrors or trickery that Paul is doing. No sleight of hands. And when Paul preached to them, he preached Christ crucified. He died for their sins in order that they might be 
justified by faith. Why would he preach Christ crucified to them? It would be useless if it didn't count. So now we look at the next questions that Paul asks to get them to think, to stop thinking foolishly. As we look at the next questions, next few questions really address um, the Galatians and their own experience. And Paul's trying to like wake them up and think, you guys have experiences yourself which prove that salvation is not by works, but by faith. So his first, uh, next question in uh, verse 2. This I only want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He wants them to go think back to the day that you were saved. How did you receive the Spirit of God? What events took place? Was there any works that you had to do that day? Absolutely not. The answer is clear. It was by faith, and they knew that. Their actions currently are contradicting the works, work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. How were they saved? How did it all happen? And what's the connection between salvation and, and receiving the Holy Spirit? Well, salvation, or becoming a follower of Christ, uh, means that the Spirit of Christ means that you receive the Spirit of Christ. So in Romans 8 9, it says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So this, having the Spirit is a mark of a true believer. The moment you are saved, and by placing your faith in Christ, you are indwelt by the Spirit of God. You don't need to pray for it. You don't need to do anything to receive the Spirit. It is by faith. Ephesians uh, 1, 13 through 14 also say, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, there's the trusted, you've had faith, you've believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance to the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of his glory. Paul is saying that their actions contradict the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They received the Spirit by faith. There was no law they needed to do, no law or works in order to receive the Spirit. And we see that pattern in this, in this chapter. There's a repeated key word through this whole chapter. Faith is repeated over and over again. Faith, faith. Thirteen times the word faith is mentioned, and two times the word believe is mentioned. It is by faith we are justified. And it's important to remember that. Our, our journey as a Christian begins the moment we are saved, the moment we, are, the moment we place our faith in Christ. And at that moment, there's an instantaneous transaction that takes place. We are justified by faith. Justification means that we've been declared righteous before God, pronounced righteous. And the two go hand in hand. We are saved by faith alone, and we are justified by faith alone. We cannot be justified or declared righteous by anything that we do. Then go down to uh, the next question in verse 3. How are you sanctified? By keeping the law or by faith? Verse 3 says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirits, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? So step one, Paul reminds them and says, you know, it's clear that you began the Christian life by faith. Now step two in verse three, he says, now continue 
the Christian life by faith. They started the life, their life by justified by faith. Now you continue. Go on in the same way that you've started. Just like the illustration of the woman who went back into the boat or tried to go back to save themselves. Are we in danger of the folly of the Galatians? In Proverbs 28, 26, he says, Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. It was possible for the Galatians to be bewitched. They were believers because they had received the Spirit of God by faith. And it's possible today that believers in the Lord who know the truth can be later deceived by false teaching. That's why this passage is so important to us today. It's so important for us to understand. We are saved by faith. We are justified by faith. And what comes next? What happens next? After one year, after two years of being saved, how do we live the Christian life? How do we go on? How do we grow in Christian life? Do we continue by the works? By works? Do Christians today believe that we must do good deeds in order to keep our salvation or to make it more secure? Are we sanctified by good works? Is God more pleased with us if I read my Bible every day or attend church on Sundays, help out in the kitchen or preach sermons? Am I somehow earning God's favor by doing good things? Does God love me more? The moment we believe that somehow our works can contribute to our salvation in any way, we are really saying that the cross was not enough. You'd say, oh foolish Christians, who has bewitched you? We started out by faith. We must continue to live by faith. Last week we learned that. It says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live now in the flesh, how do I live it? I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We walk by faith, not by sight. If we try to continue our Christian life by faith, we are in danger of doing the same, um, by, sorry, if we were trying to continue our Christian life by doing works, we are in danger of doing the same thing the Galatians did. We are saved by faith, and we are also sanctified by faith. The essence of the false doctrine that the Galatians believed is that you begin the Christian life by faith, but then you grow in your life by works, as that you are contributing to your salvation. Another modern-day version of this lie, that works can please God. I don't know if you've heard people say this, but people say, God, God helps those who help themselves. Some even believe that this is a verse that's found in the Bible. Well, it's actually not. You can look all you want, but you won't find it. In fact, this, this phrase actually contradicts what the Bible teaches. God isn't inclined to help you just because of something that you do. Or that people think that God has a burden to somehow help you because of what you've done, and now you deserve his help. The Bible teaches that God helps the helpless. When it comes to salvation, there is nothing that man can do to help himself. Man is utterly helpless. We are all sinners and we are all condemned because of that sin. And really, God helps those who can't help themselves. 
Bible says that when we were still sinners, when we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The Galatians', Galatians own life experience, their own um, experience with the, the Spirit of God in their lives was that they were saved by faith, not by works. Now they need to continue their Christian life by faith and not by works. Fourthly, Paul asked the question, was your suffering persecution for faith or was it, um, let me read it again. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Are you suffering persecution because of your faith or because of law keeping? So we go back into the book of Acts and to when, when Paul went through the area of Galatia and preached the gospel. Um, Paul went into the area and he preached faith in Christ. He told them about the truth. And Paul suffered persecution for that. Now, when, when he was preaching the gospel, there was bitterness in the hearts of the Jews because Paul went to the Jews first. He, to, he told them the gospel and they rejected it. They flat out rejected it. And so Paul says, now that you deem yourself unworthy, we're going to go to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles heard the gospel for the first time and they gladly received it. And immediately the Jews then raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and also the Gentile believers. The next town, um, well, it was, so, it was so bad of a persecution that they had to leave to the next town. So then they go continue to preach the gospel again. And those Jews show up again, trying to persuade them that they need to go back under the law. They wanted to poison their minds. The Jews eventually persuade a crowd to stone Paul and drag Paul out of the city as though he was dead. Paul suffered persecution, and Barnabas did, um, because of preaching the gospel of grace, that grace can be, that you can uh, be saved only by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And the Jews hated the gospel because they loved the law of Moses. Acts 14, uh, 21 says and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, We must through many, tri- through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. The Galatians also suffered persecution for believing that the gospel, for believing a gospel that excludes works. They were persecuted for faith alone in Jesus Christ. The gospel was offensive to the Jews because it excluded works. And they were teaching, you know, you must be circumcised. You must follow the law. And Paul's question to them, to the Galatians, to get them to think is, did you suffer for no reason? Weren't you suffering because you believed salvation was by faith alone? Are you now agreeing with the Jews who say salvation is by works of the law? When you were first saved, you wouldn't have put up with this. You endured suffering to fight against this lie. Why are you now accepting this as truth when you had suffered before? The cross is offensive. Paul later says in Galatians, If I still preach, Christ, preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. If Paul preached circumcision, the persecution he faced would have, been, would have ended because... It's offensive to people that their works aren't good enough to get them to heaven. People feel like they need to add something 
to what Christ has already done. But the cross means that Jesus has paid it all, paid it all for your sins, and paid your sins in full, and there is nothing you can do to save yourself. Salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And so you've suffered for the gospel which you believe. Think back to that. Are you now saying that it was all in vain? Was it all a waste? Paul wants them to think and realize how foolish it is to add works to salvation. Finally, Paul says in verse 5, Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now this final question, there's a slight difference in the way he words it. But the previous questions, he asked about their past experience, about the past things that Christ has done for them and the Spirit has done for them. But now he's asking about the present, their present experience. Look at the, you can notice the present tense verbs. Therefore, he who supplies, it's currently happening, and he works miracles as ongoing right now. How is, the, how is the Spirit of God working currently in your life? It was apparent, it was apparent that the Spirit was at work among the Galatians. It was obvious to them. Paul knew about it, and it was obvious to what he was referring to. There was miracles being done in their midst. We don't know exactly what those types of miracles were, but it was obvious. So it was, since it was so clear that the Holy Spirit was at work, Paul asks, how does God currently supply the Spirit to you and work miracles among you? Is there something special that you've been doing to receive that? Are you being blessed by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you earning or deserving blessings from God? The answer is obvious again. It's no. God supplies the Holy Spirit the same way he supplies the Spirit to begin with, by grace and in response to our faith. They did not and could not earn favor by doing good works. In this instant, he isn't referring to the indwelling of the Spirit, but the filling. And the filling, um, and throughout the Christian life, the Holy Spirit works in the believer and works in your life in miraculous ways. The Holy Spirit supplies each believer with spiritual gifts or gifts. The Holy Spirit's working in your life is not something that we can earn or merit. We can't do anything. The Spirit's work in your life also comes by the hearing of faith just as it was to the Galatians. We do not earn God's favor by law-keeping. As you see the, the whole, um, all the questions that Paul is asking, there's a real progression to what he's saying. First question, he says, how did you receive the Spirit? By faith. How do you continue in the Spirit? It's by faith. And how does the Holy Spirit currently work in your life? By faith. The answer is by faith. And so he wants to say, are you so foolish to leave what Christ has done for you and go back to the law? Why would you put yourself under circumcision and under the works of the law? Galatians 2.20, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I live by faith in the Son of God, who, gave, who loved me, and gave himself for me. It has been said that these few verses in chapter 3 are a commentary on that verse. 
The Christian life begins by faith in Jesus Christ, and we continue and finish our life, Christian life, by faith in Jesus. Now, the gift of salvation gives God all the glory and gives none to us. There is no room for us to boast on our behalf for, the, for our works or what we've done. Jesus Christ has done it all and uh, done all the work on the cross for our sins, and he has justified us by faith alone in him. And because salvation is God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, then there is hope for every sinner. Salvation does not depend on us, but on what God has already done for you. And if you've never received Jesus Christ and his work on the cross for your sins by faith alone, then I would encourage you to do so today. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, uh, the, word, your, the truth in your word, Lord, and the, the clarity that your word provides, how salvation is by faith alone. And Lord, we thank you for the grace that you've shown us, that the grace that you've given us um, that we don't deserve, Lord, and that we can freely be uh, saved by your grace through faith and through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Lord, we thank you for that gift. Lord, we pray that we would not be deceived or fall into any error, um, any, any false teaching that just like the Galatians who easily became in, in, um, entangled in this, Lord. We pray that we would be wise and remember what you've done for us in our lives, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.